Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. Welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call, where the truth is never on hold. I'm Doug Keck here with our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother's take on some questions from our classic television programs that she hosted back in the 80s and the 90s. Always great to see you, Father. How are you? And always good to be with you and to learn a little bit more from Mother and her insights. Always something that uh, gives me a new perspective on the spiritual life. So Mother always has uh, so much to offer. Especially, I think, during Lent, because, you know, Mother was so uh, keyed in on on the area of suffering, and a lot of uh, what we'll hear about in the coming weeks will be related to that. Let's talk about, on this program, we've got the first one talking about how to have a holy Lent uh, and how you can become holy. Uh, Every day I have a chance to transform is another uh, topic we'll talk about. This is a good one. A lie is a lie. And uh, share your ashes, especially good this past week (laughs) with Ash Wednesday. So let's talk first about the idea of how can I become holy during Lent? And the person uh, talked to Mother about uh, that whole idea. Is Lent about becoming Mm -hmm. holy? Definitely. And it's a time of special graces. The whole church goes on retreat. And there are special graces being given to all of us. And even those who aren't observing Lent, graces are being poured out and uh, for people to return to the Lord, to grow in their relationship with the Lord, to grow in holiness. You know, I think one of the things that I really got an insight from Mother here is that she talks about, you know, we talk about what are you giving up for Lent? Right. And I thought she really has this beautiful insight. Of course, it comes from her heart and so much loving the Lord. You're not going to give it up. You're going to give it to Jesus. So there's an element of sacrifice sacrifice in every genuine love. And so when we're making some sacrifice during Lent, to see it as, I'm going to give this to Jesus as an act of love for him. Do you think that makes it easier to give up things like that if you have that kind of mindset? Definitely, definitely. If we're just depriving ourselves of something that we really like, then it's unbearable, right? But if we're doing it for love for love of Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to give this to you during the season of Lent to show you my love because you've shown your love to me through your great sacrifice on the cross. Well, many of us are mortified of mortification, so, uh, (laughs) you know, Lent can be tough, but it is interesting. Mother's got some great comments, one of them talking about the fact that if you're being grouchy while you're fasting, (laughs) eat. That we're not called to be a penance to other people, right? Exactly. (laughs) So choose something that can be an offering that you can offer cheerfully, right? That that's a very big part of Lent, offering cheerfully and lovingly. Let's see what Mother has to say about becoming holy during Lent. We have another call. Hello? Yes. Where are you from? Uh, Baton Rouge. Well, good. And what's your question? How do you become more holy during Lent, especially during Lent? Okay. And how do you uh, overcome the temptations? Lent is a special time during the year when you get special graces. You have to understand that, first of all. So you get almost double the grace, double the mercy, double everything during Lent because it's a preparation for the Holy Week. And the reason the Church gives those special graces is because we have the privilege 
of thinking and meditating on the passion. That's why I wear this cross. This cross is made in Germany. It's a profession cross. We get these when we make our vows. And this profession cross is a constant reminder to each sister of the passion of Jesus. See? It's not a decoration. It's not a piece of jewelry. It's, it's a, a, a thing painful. Well, because of that, you can become holier during Lent because the church gives many, many, many graces out to everybody. Mortification is a wonderful time, not to just give up something, but to give it up for a reason, for Jesus. Do you remember, and the church does, you can't eat meat on Friday during Lent. You shouldn't eat meat at any time on Friday during Lent. You say, well, that's been done away with. Oh, I don't know. I don't see it written anywhere. Give me a piece of paper that says you may eat meat on Friday. <sighs> the way some of you live on a weekend, I do without a few things on Friday. So just give up meat on Friday. That's nothing. Fish is good. I don't know where the penance is, unless you don't like fish. But you see, there's a lot of things you can give to Jesus. I don't like to say give it up. Well, you're going to take it back, you know. The, but give it to Jesus for Lent. And be sure that you are cheerful. Some people get very grouchy when they're hungry. I mean, they're just not livable. <laughs> well, go and eat something, for goodness sakes. You know, who wants to live with you? <laughs> because you say, I'm hungry, I'm grouchy, well, then eat. Doing without food is not your penance. It gives everybody else a penance. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody said we are supposed to give other people a penance during Lent. So this man said to me one time, oh, I gave away cigarettes during Lent. I said, yeah, I heard about it. <laughs> he said, what do you mean you heard? I said, your kids have called, your wife has called. They can't live with you. If you're that stupid, you want to fill your lungs with the beginning of cancer, go smoke. He said, I don't like the way you said that. <laughs> All right, that's tough. But if you're going to be so nasty to everybody, go and smoke. See, you, if you're going to do penance, do it cheerfully. Our Lord said that. When you do penance, wipe your face, put oil on your head, and don't let anybody know. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Yeah, the whole world has to know. I had a man come to me one time, and in about... 20 minutes he was talking to me. He told me five times he was fasting. <laughs> five times. The last time he said it, you know, I've been fasting for 10 days. I said, John, you've been fed. What do you mean? I haven't eaten anything. I said, oh, yeah. You've told the whole world you, you're fasting. I said, you've been fed. Now, either shut up go and eat something. He never came back either. <laughs> but see, if you fast, be cheerful. If you, you haven't done something nice for somebody, you're grouchy, you're irritable, I would think about your penance because 
That's not the purpose of a pen. Why don't you just be nice to people the rest of land? Some of you have a hard time being nice. Being kind, being loving, being compassionate, coming home tired and not letting everybody know it, giving something to some poor beggar and not having to tell the whole world what you did. Those are real penances. And that's how you can be holy for Lent. And next up for Mother Angelica, a call about how we transform during Lent. Have you ever had a kind of experience where you felt like you transformed during Lent, Father? I think I'm having the experience that I'm being transformed, Mm -hmm. that uh, we can look back at our lives where we were a couple of decades ago (laughs) and say, you know, I've grown in that area. Thanks be to God through his grace that he's changed me. And uh, so the season of Lent is all about that, right? Being transformed. And so this lady is talking about the fact she's got Spanish blood. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and a temper. <laughs> and a temper, which mother could very much relate to. Your blood rushes up a little faster than anybody else's, right? <laughs> but she's also saying that you're able to grow in holiness. And so, as mother would say in another place, that it's not about feelings, but it's like choosing to be like Jesus. So if we're getting upset, we're feeling our blood begin to boil, that what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. And we're going to strive to be like Jesus and make that choice. Right, and I think she brings out a really good point uh, about the idea of understanding the word perfection or perfect, uh, that we're not talking about perfectionism when we talk about trying to be perfect like our Lord. Yes, so it's um, looking at him, learning from him, following his example, looking to him for the grace we need to change. Absolutely. Every day I have a chance to transform. Let's see what Mother has to say. I forgot. We got calls. (laughs) Hi. Hello. Hello. Where are you from? Uh, Florida. And what is your question? My question is, uh, I'm going to give it you first an idea that you understand. You Italian and Spanish. Woo. And I told uh, the priest that he helped me uh, pray because often I get angry. Yeah. And he told me, well, you try to be God. You don't let God room to God to work in your life. And he confused me. Mm. Well, let me tell you, us French, Spanish, Italian, I mean, it comes with the package to be angry. Not all are angry, but I think your blood rushes up a little faster than anybody else's. <laughs> See? And, and some people never, they're calm, cool, and collected. And you just look at them and you say, I wonder what's wrong with them. See? So don't, don't be angry because you're angry. You're striving for holiness, but the priest can't say you're strive, that's wrong. You're right to strive for holiness, and you should. You should pray. Once you know you have a hot temper, you've got to figure it out. I cannot go to heaven with a hot temper. Now, you might go to hell with a hot temper, but you can't get to heaven with a hot temper. So what are you going to do? Well, you're either going to solve it here or you're going to solve it in purgatory. Now, I know you don't believe in purgatory, but that don't make it wrong. It doesn't become non-existent because you don't believe in it. It's there. What you need to do is to understand 
that we work towards perfection. We work towards being like Jesus. And we're not, even after redemption, we still have that concupiscence, you know, we still have those tendencies to be selfish, to be angry, to be everything. You're doing okay. Try not to be angry. You know the things you get angry, but just stay away from them. Now, you say, well, I'm giving my opinion. Well, if you know you're going to be angry about it, forget your opinion. You can help you pray about it. And if you fail, never, never be discouraged or disheartened. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. I think the word perfect is sometimes people think if I'm trying to be virtuous, I, I'm a perfectionist. That's not it. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody was born perfect except Our Lady, and none of us are perfect. As hard as you try, your weaknesses and faults are going to die 15 minutes after you do. See, we, we just have, this is a grace for us because every day I can give Jesus something. Every day I can make a choice to be like Jesus rather than myself. Every day I can hold my temper. Every day I can be patient under trying circumstances. Every day we have a chance for that transformation of my soul to be like Jesus. You're doing okay. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us here for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the call, Doug Heck here with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Our first call is about a question. Is a lie always a lie, Father? Seems like Mother certainly thinks so. Yes, that's, uh, again, she talks about misguided compassion, that this lady says, well, maybe it'd be better just to make everybody feel better by telling this lie. Well, no, because ultimately that's not going to be the right thing to do. It never bears good fruit. And, you know, we can think about today just these different uh, issues regarding marriage, gender, life issues, we can say, well, we can just accept all of that. No, we can't. And that's part of what we're here to, is just to proclaim the truth with love and in season and out of season. It's interesting, too, because at the very beginning, the caller refers to the idea of the end justifying the means. We know the Saul Alinsky approach mm -hmm. to uh, political thought and how that's infiltrated many people in that idea of saying uh, that, well, as long as what comes out of it is a good thing, you can do bad things. And that's technically never true. No, and that was really the whole communist philosophy, right? You can wipe out people as long as you can get to that point where it's really going to be good for people. Uh, wrong, <laughs> wrong answer. You can never do such heinous acts and think that good's going to come out of it. Absolutely. And of course, a lie is a lie. And sins of omission come in big time. Listen to Mother Angelica. We have a call. Hello? Yes, Mother. Where are you from? Virginia. And what is your question? Well, sometimes it seems to me that the ends justify the means sometimes. 
Like what? Well, for example, um, in an office situation, if a person is, let's say, uh, relieved of their job and everybody's concerned because maybe the person was a good person, but maybe the person didn't do their job very well and the person uh, uh, didn't find a job afterwards, but maybe uh, uh, the boss or, or whoever's in charge tells the people that the person did find a job and was very successful and uh, everything happened uh, that followed happily ever after. Um, that would be a lie, but the people would feel good about it that remained in the office. I just would like to hear your comments on situation maybe like that. That doesn't justify uh, that because a lie is a lie. Uh, I think when we start to justify if a person is not competent uh, and they leave or you're asked to leave, um, I think God has something better in store but I don't think I would pretend that everybody, that he's doing even better if he's not. Because that lie is, lying is really never justified. It's kind of misguided compassion. We won't ever believe that, everyone to believe that we made the right decision firing this man and now he's better off. But it's not true, he may be worse off. Now, I think the, the employer could go to him and say, can I help you? That would be real Christian. Can I help you get another job? Can I, can I help you find something else? Can I give you some money just to get along until you find some? Can I do something for your children? That, that would be real Christian. It's not bad to let someone go if they're not competent because it's, it's, it's embarrassing for them and, and the work doesn't get done. But it has to do, be done in a Christian way, see? Now, we can, you know, offend by the sin of omission. Because some people need correction. And the longer I, I don't correct, the, the more sin they commit. See, so we, we need to be very careful and be honest. This person was let go because of this reason. Let's pray for him. That would be a lot better than lying about it. So I, I don't see the end justifies the means. It's like the minister comes to the door and the, and the mother sees him and she says, Johnny, go tell the minister mother's not home. So the kid's smart. He says, goes to the door and says, mother told me to tell you she's not home. <laughs> so he, he's going to do exactly what his mother said. Because he didn't see the point. So be care very careful when you say the end, uh, the, the means justifies it. it. It doesn't. It doesn't. And closing things out for this program, we have another call. Interesting about uh, Ash Wednesday and the concept of sharing your ashes. Never thought about that, Father. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know, when you're distributing ashes, as of course I do on Ash Wednesday you have parents holding infants in their arms. And it's a little unique, isn't it, to put ashes on the, uh, the forehead of a little child and to say, you know, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return, or repent and believe in the gospel. But we have to remember that we all grow in our depth of understanding. And we grow 
not only through what we're taught, but what we're what we catch, <laughs> not what is caught, but what is taught, but what is caught. And so children too can learn through these liturgical exercises, and little by little they grow in their understanding of what's being communicated here. Yeah, it's interesting because there's uh, an issue coming up about having a child and a daughter who aren't given ashes because they're only giving it to older children, Mm -hmm. which may impact that kind of perspective we went through for a while. Well, they're too young to really have committed any sins, so they don't really need this. Yes, and we baptize infants, right? And the church has always done that. We can see that historically that that was done because we want even infants to share in the life of Christ. And in a way, that this is a sacramental, so it's something that's going to be beneficial. And as I said, they'll grow in their understanding of this as time goes on. Right. So as Mother would say here, sharing your ashes comes out to be like sharing your faith. So let's see what she had to say. We have another call. Hello? Hi, Mother. Hi. I'm Chris, and I'm from Coventry, Rhode Island. Uh-huh. And I enjoy watching the show. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, last year we went to get our ashes and I had my son who was five and my daughter who was a year old and they didn't give either one of them ashes and I was wondering why and this year he's in first grade and he goes to a Catholic school and they told him that he wouldn't be getting ashes again this year and it was only for the big kids and I was wondering why they said that only God knows. I, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's so funny at this day and age. <clears throat> at this day and age, kids in three and four know the facts of life. They know everything. They've been exposed to violence, to murder, to everything. But we don't give them ashes. They do dangerous things. See, they don't always say, well, uh, you don't want to teach them the Trinity because it's too deep. I think some of the stuff they learn on television is equally too deep. See, don't, don't cut God out. If they don't give you ashes, take some of yours and say, here, sweetheart, we'll share ashes together. They don't need any to learn. The thought of death, Saint says Alphonsus Liguori, is a it's a constant reminder not to sin. Last week I told you about the car accident we saw. Half the car was gone and crushed like tissue paper. Now these people were probably in the car talking, laughing, whatever, and all of a sudden gone. Nothing left. But see, we need that. Excuse me. Because uh, children listen to so much television, they know about death. They know everything. More than they need to know. So, if for some reason, I don't know, they don't give them ashes. Well, share yours. Make a nice Uh, act of love and charity.
For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.